Welcome to the Freemasons Podcast, coming to you live from Morningstar Lodge number 47. Leave your aprons at the door, my brothers. Closer. You want no, me closer? No, no. <laughs> Shoot. Hello and welcome to the Freemason Podcast with your hosts, Ray Warshall, brother George Marjorie. And brother Alex DeFranzo. Yeah, I traded him traded uh, a robot and a freaking uh what's the other one? Ginger for a <laughs> tattoo artist and a hairy ass beard. That's right. Yeah. Anyway, today's episode two twenty, and we're gonna be doing Masonic symbolism. All right. Scroll over here so I can get all my shit. But first, we got some homework to do. Uh, I'm going to jump right into the Apple reviews. Um, I'm going to skip over Instagram and all that stuff. We'll catch you next time. But uh, I know you're not familiar with the toast. I am not. I've only done it once with you. We'll work on it. We'll work on it. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. So uh, first one. Uh, Actually, there's a couple of them in here. I love this shit. Um, We have uh, great reading. uh, Five-star review. Um, from this is from Canada. Um, the name is Hugh Janus. <laughs> <laughs> it actually says That's that. That's pretty funny. Uh, great reading of the Book of Enki, which I just wrapped up not too long ago. Five star review. I'm so happy to find this podcast and the reading of the Lost Book of Enki. Um, the host reads it, interprets it very well. I've tried to read and understand Zechariah Sitchin's books before, but couldn't get through them. Yeah, he, again, he's Lithuanian and he's Jewish. Really doesn't speak very good English, so it's kind of all over the place. Uh, the host reading interpretation is 10 out of 10. Ooh, I tried. Did my best. Um, it's been two days and I'm already listening to the reading of Tablet 7. What a fantastic story. So many ties to the Old Testament. Yeah, Definitely. By the way, the moon does indeed rotate on its axis. It's a tidal lock with Earth. I did not know that, so I learned something new. I think I said it didn't rotate. Yeah, I didn't know that either. Um, let's see here. Uh, meaning it rotates on its own axis and rotates around the Earth at a rate so that we only ever see one side of it. The host said that at one point the moon does not rotate on its axis, but it does. Again, Never said that I was uh, perfect with this, but, you know, this is why I like this shit, because then they pointed out all the dumb shit that I say, and I'm wrong, and I love you guys when you uh, when you comment in and let me know that I'm saying something stupid. <laughs> that was bugging me. Well, it's going to bug me now, too, because now I sound like an idiot. Uh, also, in Egyptian mytholo- mythology, similar to Anu, it was Osiris who had his penis cut off, and the fish swallowed it. Ah, there you go. There's another... Um, Interesting uh, link to a mythology. Uh, this is also similar to Greek mythology, where Kronos cut off 
Oronis penis with a sickle to free Gaia from his constantly impregnating her and blocking. Yeah, that was another story in the Lost Book of Enki. Hmm. Where I gotta read that book. I haven't got Enki kept it going for a soil sample and uh, she put a freaking uh, she put a curse on his ass. <laughs> so uh, I want to thank you. That's awesome. And that was from uh, Hugh Janus <laughs> from Canada. That's awesome. Uh, let's go back here. I'll read the next ones. Uh, let's see here. Top show from across the pond. Love listening to the Freemasons podcast as it does what it says in the tin. A lighthearted look at the world of Freemasonry with hosts who generally love the fraternity and masonry worldwide. Thanks, brothers. Anytime. That was from Midlander uh, from Great Britain. And the last one. Um, this is another one. Great reading of the Book of Enki. Uh, and this one is from, oh, it's the same one. Same exact one. Uh, I don't know why it did it twice, but whatever. And then we have one more on, one more on Apple in the United States. And again, I said it before, I don't know why it does this shit, but it separates it based off of country, which drives me nuts. But this is from DJ Lovegrove. I feel like he should be like a DJ for like a high school or something. Like DJ. a late night yeah. DJ. <laughs> Uh, Five-star review, great content. Thoroughly enjoyed this. So much great information and education is presented in a way that's not dry or boring. Really like the in-house fact-checkers on the content. Yeah, we fired them, but we fact-check ourselves now. But anyway, let's get into this. Freemasonry and its symbolism. So I got an article. Oh, I got toasting. Oh, you ready for this shit? Sure. You ain't got this. Sure don't. Brother, right hand arms. You got to repeat back two arms. Two arms. Ready? Ready. Aim. Aim. Fire. Good fire. Fire all. Together, brother. Vivat. 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 We'll work on it. All right. Anyway, let's get into this episode here. Um, We're going to be talking about Freemasonry and its symbolism. You, as a tattoo artist... You do a lot of Masonic tattoos that have symbols. I sure do. What's the most bizarre Masonic tattoo that you've ever done? That's, uh, um, I mean, I haven't Masonic done Masonic connection. I haven't done any too bizarre. Mostly just the square and compasses. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I've done them with the points facing the person and the points facing out, so everybody else could see it. So. I would say that's probably the most bizarre is how people decide the direction of the compass. Right. But no, nothing too crazy. Nothing too crazy. No, I haven't I haven't had a chance to do too many. I just met a brother from New York yesterday who's going to come in and get another Masonic tattoo, so we'll see what he ends up doing. I'm uh, going to come see you for another tattoo pretty soon. I'm going to get a uh, squirrel running down my inner thigh <laughs> with two nuts in his mouth. Oh, nice. No? No, all right. <laughs> Reaching for him. <laughs> Um, so let's get into this. Or a worm and a cane and a top hat. What's that? A worm with a cane and a top hat. Oh, there you go. <laughs> anyway, so let's uh, let's get into this. This is an article by George H. Lilly, a eight uh, L I L L E Y, and this is from uh, George H. Lilly. Fine regalia. All right, we're gonna give it a shot. 15, uh, the meaning behind 15 comic, uh, common, Jesus, I can't freaking talk today, uh, Masonic symbols. 
It seems like Mason symbolism is everywhere, even in places you may notice. Similarly, you may not be aware of the deep meaning behind each of these symbols, which go beyond Freemasons wanting to just leave their mark in everything they build or touch. We've taken 15 of the most common symbols and explained them here. So some of them you, may, you might recognize or even already know about, but you might, in fact, find that others are complete surprise. Interesting. So, uh, lame. Yeah. Fuck off. Go away then. All seeing eye. Number one, the all seeing eye. How many tattoos you've done? The all seeing eye. Oh, I've done, I've done a very fair share of all seeing (laughs) eyes. I have one on me. I honestly, I get one probably once a month. Yeah. It's a, it's a pretty common symbol. It's a Masons and non Masons. A lot of people get it. The predecessor to that was the eye of Horus, I believe. Mm -hmm. Right. So, Uh, The all-seeing eye, also known as the Masonic eye or the eye of providence, is up there as one of the most recognized Freemason symbols. This is especially uh, so considering it features a none other than the American dollar bill. That's right. The all-seeing eye is on the American dollar bill. That is 1,000% correct. Uh, It has been around since way back in 1797, was introduced on a publication of the Freemasons Monitor. That was an old Masonic newspaper way back in the day. It was called the Freemasons Monitor. It represents the eye of God and serves as a reminder of Freemasons that God is always watching, seeing all of their actions and thoughts. Bingo. I mean, it's pretty, yep. pretty, pretty good explanation. I mean, even, I think even the ancient Egyptians, the reason they portrayed all the pharaohs in in their artwork with big eyes was oh. also a representation of that. The bigger the eyes they presented on the individual represented the royalty and they're in touch with the divine. Correct. Well, f- uh, this is the next one, the letter G. While Freemasons can't claim the entire letter of the alphabet as their own, they do use the letter G within their... Why would, would we? Why would we take the... <sighs> the whole alphabet? The whole fucking alphabet, seriously? Um within their symbolism is quite frequent. The problem is there's a bit of con- contention around what it actually means. No, not really. I think we all know. Uh, we all know what it means. Um, <laughs> it, it is presented an allegory, I think, during the Fellowcraft degree. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you get to the final destination of what the G stands for. Uh, some say it's simple as standing for God in geometry. Bingo. Others believe it represents the word... No- Gnosis? Gnosis? Gnosis, yeah. Gnosis, meaning the knowledge of spiritual mysteries, which is a big component of Freemasonry. Others still devise that the letter G in ancient Hebrew had a numerical value of three. Interesting. Which is highly referenced throughout Masonry when talking about God. Yeah, that, that, that could be the case. I mean... I've also heard that since G is the seventh letter, that that has its own symbolic meaning, seven being like an angel number. Five representing man for our five appendages, and then seven representing the angels for a person with the two angel wings. Interesting. There's, I mean, we use three repetitively oh, yeah. in our degree, in, in, in masonry, not even our degrees, but repetitively. Oh, so yeah. that's pretty interesting how that I never knew that uh, the, uh, uh, what's it called, that the letter G was a reference to the number three. Interesting. Square encompasses. As well represented as the all-seeing eye is, the square encompasses are really the most well-known or recognized Freemason symbol. Correct. Uh, The meaning behind it is quite literal. Uh, With the square representing morality, that Freemasons need to square their actions by the square of virtue with all mankind. The compasses 
then it measures the ability to wisely conduct actions with certain boundaries. In other words, together with square and compasses, remind Freemasons to explore their desires and passions without stepping out of the realms of moral behavior. Uh, uh, yes and no. It's, close. Uh, it's close, but not exactly on. Again, I don't know if... Uh, and again, every jurisdiction has its own type of ritual closely to ours but in connecticut here but uh i mean circumscribe your actions is basically what the compasses are the anchor and the ark this is one that you wouldn't recognize the anchor and the ark uh this is not uh 1000 percent you it is so let me be clear in the book that we have our ritual book which some grand jurisdictions don't have a ritual book they have no ritual book whatsoever um we have in the back of the degrees different symbols for that degree. It's in like the third section or something like that in the back. So I don't remember seeing the Ark and the Anchor. I'm sure it's back there. But uh, the Ark is used a lot in Christian symbolism and has been adapted by Freemasons to have very similar meaning. Basically, it represents hope as well as peace against stormy weather. The Anchor is used quite literally as a way of grounding a ship in the same way that uh, this symbol talks about living a life that is grounded in hope and peace. I did not know that. That is a symbol I did not know. You ever seen that before? Uh, I've never seen it in that context. I've seen like a lot of people use the anchor for similar purposes, especially in tattooing. They use it uh. for you know things like refuse to sink and things like that. Right. I- I've always seen it as like the anchor being used in like obviously military ones like navy or marine corps or something like that so i've never seen it as a masonic tattoo and realistically it's not one of the more popular yeah i've never i've never seen it used masonically but it it does make sense for its symbolism and keeping it kind of like plum you know right honest to god if somebody showed me an anchor on their arm and they was like oh this is my masonic tattoo like, wait what (laughs) no it's not it's a freaking anchor like not the most obvious symbol Right, but and realistically, if you're going to hide something and you don't, let's say you don't want people to know you're a mason, I mean, that would be where I'd go. That is a good one. It's not It's not, not really a tool of construction for a building, so right. I could see that being an occult symbol for it. But even still, if you're trying to hide that you're a Freemason, besides tattooing, if you don't want to wear like an anchor on a lapel pin, you get the forget-me-not. That's right. another big one for the Freemasons. Uh, Masonic blazing star this one i've seen multiple times in buildings and stuff never really put it together i figured oh, that's cool it's a square compasses inside of a star eh, that's cool you know kind of cliche that you know on ceilings and stuff you always see it so let's see what it's got to say the masonic blazing star is said to be the pinnacle of the freemason's journey interesting in masonry a man tries to use knowledge to guide him but much like a star that is blazing against the dark night sky okay so even the star has it uh john mutes mutes i'm terrible with names and lee musikoff dan valdez good afternoon brothers um i've i've seen the star you know we all have stars in our freaking ceiling like most masonic lodges you walk yeah. like the real elegant ones they got stars all the ceiling i never truly knew the blazing star as it, that was called i just thought oh, it's a freaking star that's cool yeah it is a good guide i mean for what it is, everybody used the stars to navigate mm-hmm. in the night. So in the darkness, the stars are your primal source of navigation. That's a good point. Never even thought of it that way. Uh, the Masonic gavel. Oh, this is a big one. Uh, there are two meanings of the symbol. Firstly, it represents the authority of a Freemason yielding it, usually a master or a senior warden, junior warden, depending on where you're at. Um, 
who might use his gavel to punctuate his ideas in command order like a judge in court does. Correct. Secondly, it is a tool used to break off the rough edges of stone. That is wrong. Oh, nah. Depends on the gavel. Let's be clear. Like, I think more of a mallet. No, go go to your yay degree. Okay. You have the yeah. common right, gavel, right. but it our common gavel does not look like a judge's right. or the well, master's yeah, gavel. It's the it's same, more of a construction but construction gavel. Right. It's more of a construction something gavel. Something to keep order. Right. Um, whereas the gavel that they're showing in this picture, I wish I could bring it up, but it's, it's a wooden gavel. You, you, no one's going to use a wooden gavel to break no. stone. <laughs> um, you could try. I mean, I mean, it might work. Uh, I, I had a joke, but I'm going to leave it alone. Uh, <laughs> I was going to go with the, the old Polish submarine with a screen door. Um, <laughs> Used in this way, the Masonic gavel can be reminded of Freemasons who chip off certain vices and maintain pure moral and spiritual heart. Okay, so they, they took basically two different types of gavels that we use as Masons, and they kind of combined them into one for that is kind of what I'm gathering at. The Masonic sheaf of corn. This one is not a very popular one. Yeah, no. I mean, part of the wages. Right, but the, the sheaf is actually like a bundle, I think. A sheaf oh, okay. is a bundle of corn. Back in the days of King Solomon, masons gave corn as part of their earnings, kind of like a tax. These days, it's used during dedication ceremonies, mainly and sometimes to represent charitable giving to the less fortunate. Okay, so that's where they took it. With. They took it to that. The, the charitable uh, used in our fellow craft degree as a wage and that's kind of what they're going with wouldn't they also put corn on the cornerstones with oil yep mm. in building when they're yeah. doing the cornerstone of a, right. a building if it's a masonic edifice or the freemasons built the building they would put the in the northeast corner that was where you start a building right and they would always do a masonic symbol on the northeast corner actually the capitol building the white house and i believe the cornerstone of dc itself uh, that stone, actually, I've seen a special on that. Um, that stone is um, around, but you'd never find it. It's like in somebody's backyard or something like yeah. that. Like, oh, yeah, I swear <laughs> to God. I seen, I seen. I can't remember if i seen it in the History Channel or whatever, but it was basically, uh, it was the cornerstone of D.C., but uh, you, you it, there was nothing ceremonious about it. It was literally a, a stone that was just in the ground. I think it was even covered by like a, a metal type of, protector or whatever but there's nothing elegant about it you can't go i mean you can i think go visit it but you can't put into your google search oh dc's cornerstone you can't find it number eight the acacia tree yep this is a big one uh we use this during well not the tree we use the spig yeah sprig of acacia sprig i say that wrong all the time they bust my balls (laughs) all the time uh the acacia tree is incredibly hardy durable tree and as such has been used to depict immor- uh, immorality throughout ancient... No, excuse me. Scratch that. It is... Uh, let's try this again. The acacia tree is incredibly hardy, durable tree, and as such has been used to depict immortality throughout ancient history. The Hebrew people used it to mark their graves with a sprig of acacia for this very reason. Aligning with the uh, with the masonry belief... Uh, uh, in the afterlife, the acacia tree represents the enduring immortal souls. Yes, that's. Uh, I've kind also of... heard that like the burning bush of Moses could have been an acacia tree. I don't know what kind of right 
symbolic connection that has or if it's well if it's even a sound theory I, about i think it's different because uh acacia is a tree whereas right. the burning bush was a bush right. i mean who the hell knows though i mean i wasn't there yeah me either. Um, and we have some members of our lodge that you know when god said let there be light they hand them the match but but it's <laughs> neither here nor there uh ark of the covenant this one is actually more popular in your york right degrees okay um where it's used um the Ark of the Covenant can be found in the Bible as God's promise to David. Freemasons draw significance and symbolism from it as today it represents God's continued forgiveness of their transgressors. I would have never interpreted it that way. I mean, two guys went to go pick the damn thing up and got fried on the spot instantly. Right, right. <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't go. And I seen what happened to the Nazis in Raiders of the Lost Ark. I'm just throwing <laughs> that out there. Like, I don't know if that's forgiveness or... Um, interesting. I wonder where they draw that from, though. I think it's kind of like a Thor's hammer type of thing. If you're or like uh, the sword and the stone, mm. if you're if you're a pure heart, then you can access it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I never would have thought though. That's see, this you're you're deep, man. Oh yeah, deep for a tattoo guy. Gotta be. You're just like, give me a pack of marbs and I'll uh, <laughs> I'll tattoo you. Tattooing with coat hangers and shit. So whatever it takes. <laughs> <laughs> Number 10, the Masonic Altar. Like many religious entities, the Masonic Altar represents a place where communion can take place with God. This is where the holy book books are stored as well. True. Yep. We have it in the middle of our lodge. Um, different than church. Uh, again, because we're not religion. Um, but it's different than church. Ours is in the middle of the lodge room, uh, whereas churches usually have it at the the, the dais, if you will. Um See, me personally, and I'm not making comparison to religion, I like the fact that our altar is in the middle of the room because you always, at least for me anyway, you always got the feeling of unattainability in right. a church where it's like it's up at the head of the church, the priest is up there, you can't approach the altar, you can't right. walk up there, And whereas our altar is literally smack in the middle of the room and you actually approach the altar, you pray at the altar. And, churches really can't do that. And to like touch on one of the other symbols of you know, the two lines with the point within the circle, mm. having the altar in the middle keeps it the same distance from everybody. Yeah. So everybody yeah, is yeah. equally spaced from that altar, right. which is symbolic in its own right. Yeah. I, me personally, I, I just like that fact. And again, it's it, we're not a religion. I want to be clear about that. Right. But we have religious innuendos, if you will or we're interwoven with religion or whatever the case may be. But it's just nice to have a Masonic altar or if you're religious or you're, you're, you're praying to a God, you want to be, you want that to be attainable. Exactly. You want it to be within your distance that, yeah, if I want to walk up to the altar and kneel at the prayer at the altar, I can mm -hmm. without some, you know, priest coming out and slapping the shit out of me because <laughs> right, I walked right. up to where I wasn't or supposed some to. Intermediary. Exactly. Uh, cable toe. This is a big one. Uh, cable toe is attached to a Freemason's robe and eh, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> so we're going to talk about the, the cable toe real quick, and, I'll, and then I'll press on with this. <clears throat> He's saying this article is attached to a Freemason's robe and represents a promise that he will help his brother however much he can, as long as it's within the length of his toe rope. That is why the length of the cable toe rope is so important. It measures how capable a brother is in terms of being able to assist his fellow Freemason. <sighs> I'm going to go with yes and no on this one. <clears throat> 
Um, is it true about the length of the cable toe? Yes, because as you progress further and further through the degrees, your cable toe, in a sense, is wrapped around a certain aspect of your body more times. So like in right. the end of the apprentice degree, it goes around your neck. Mm -hmm. It's not, oh, 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 I can reach my brother. No, that's to yank your ass out of the lodge if you say Jesus. no. Yeah. Like, uh, it's to get you out of there before you learn any of this mysteries and masonry. So in that respect, the cable toe is not used as a distance of how long. We're keeping you on a short rope. It's right. kind of where it comes from. Exactly. Um, fellow craft, it gets wrapped twice mm -hmm. about a different place. So again, the neck is to drag your ass out of the lodge. The arm, eh, it's going to drag you out of, the, out of the room, but not so much. Um, and uh, it, it, you get a little bit like it's, it's wrapped twice. Right. Which so means as you progress. <clears throat> The length of it gets shorter, gets longer, brother. gets longer and longer. Meaning, oh, right, right. we're the way I perceive it is: the longer the cable toe, the more distance we're giving you, the more freedoms, in a sense, we're giving you, in a sense, yeah. if that makes sense. And then again, you get to the master mason degree; it's around your waist. It's three times, so now you're under a triple tie to the term fraternity. Again, we're talking about again the number three, mm -hmm. which we've already covered. But now, it, it's your waist is the longest part of your body. Yeah. So now it's like super long, which means now we're accepting you more and more and more as a brother rather than some guy who may say no. You've yeah. already proven yourself twice over, so we're giving you more. Uh, so I partially agree with that and partially disagree with that. The Masonic Shoe. These are for past masters. When the master does something wrong, they throw at the master. No, I'm lying, but it's not on the article. It's not... <laughs> Who throws the shoes? I mean, God, man. Uh, Masonic shoe. A long time ago where people would confirm a verbal contract by taking off their shoe and giving it to the other person. Now, it's cold as hell out here in Connecticut. It's like it definitely 12 is. degrees. There ain't no damn way I'm taking off a shoe, a boot, a sock, <laughs> nothing. It, no, no. But anyway, um, now the Masonic shoe, also known as the blue slipper, is a symbolic confirmation that was uh, that what has been said will be done. <sighs> uh, yes and no. Um, Masonic shoe, again, a symbol that's not really too used too frequently. Um, I'm not I know, too familiar with this one. I know that the Masonic slipper, uh, again, I'm, I'm going back in my head, and please, if you're in the comments and you're amazing, correct me on this, but I believe the Masonic slipper was for widows potentially um and i i could be completely wrong on this because this isn't not one of our main symbols that we kind of go over but i believe the masonic slipper was to give uh relief to a masonic widow okay. um similar to the broken column of hiram as well i could be completely wrong on that please correct me if i'm wrong um but the masonic shoe not really a common symbol but i guess it makes sense um how that would be i just don't see a lodge with a bunch of shoes on their freaking wall yeah. either like that's not something that <laughs> this one is uh this one's pretty cool this is the beehive um this again not very commonly used sometimes you see them on masonic walls sometimes you don't um king hiram lodge number 12 in shelton has all these kinds of goofy shit in the walls like all yeah. the symbols and everything it's pretty cool uh they painted them all up there so it's really cool to see um, another hotly contested symbol, it's widely accepted that the beehive symbolizes the need for masons to work together to keep the world operating. Okay. And highly geometric. Uh, 
Really? Well, honeycomb. Ah, okay. Some believe that there is a deeper, more contemplating meaning behind it, as our brother <laughs> Alex just pointed out. But generally, this has an idea represented wherever the beehive is present. Yes, I've heard it as uh, the beehives being um, industrious, being uh, not being a lazy sack of shit. <laughs> Uh, being industrious, getting uh, stuff done, as, getting as stuff done, not you know, playing into the fact that human beings can be extremely lazy and not want to do anything. This is the counter to it, saying you got to be uh, industrious. You got to be able to do things. You got to be able to make things better by work. Um, it's kind of what we all work as a team. Work as a team, but that's kind of where Freemasons come from. We built buildings back yeah. in the day. You know, like they were always working, always right. doing something. Fourteen coffins, yep, coffins. Coffins usually represent more uh, mortality, but within the world of Freemasonry, the meaning behind them can get a bit murky. Mm, no, I'd say it's a pretty standard symbol. <laughs> pretty right on. Uh, sometimes coffins are represented with a sprig of a sprig. Said it again. Sprig of acacia, which would depict immortality. And Other times, and rebirth. Yep. Other times it has been a five-pointed star associated with it. I've never seen the five-pointed star associated with a coffin symbol. I've never seen it associated with it, but it makes sense as the five-point star being a symbol of man and touching on immortality and mortality. Um, I, I've seen the coffin more so used in Chambers of Reflection. I have yet to see it used in an actual Blue Lodge. I think like during a degree or well Perry was saying that they have that lodge I forget exactly where he said it was where they do the MM in a quarry yeah the quarry degree mm -hmm. lower you yep that's in, in Moosup yep. oh okay yeah they do it uh the farm degree they lower you in a hole same as thing oh they, really they, yeah uh but there's no actual coffin it's just a hole oh, okay. that they throw you in because realistically <laughs> If you think about it, you know, uh, we know the story of Hiram. Right. Again, I'm not breaking Masonic secrets, but, I mean, they just freaking clipped the dude, right? You're not going to be like, oh, <laughs> let's, go down to, uh, let's go down to Whitmore's funeral home and pick him out a nice box. You know what I mean? Right, like, that right. it didn't happen. They're no, like, we got to bury this. Quick. we got to bury this dude now. Like, <laughs> get, the, get the bleach, get the rubber gloves. Like, we got to do this now. There's no. So, uh, for me, I think it would be erroneous to do a degree where you're actually putting somebody in a coffin. They didn't right. have that back in the day. No, it's, um, it's arbitrary to the degree. And realistically, if we're also talking about in Jewish uh, burial rites, they didn't put them in coffins. No? No. They wrapped them in a funeral. Come on. Book of Mark? No? Nothing? Mm, I don't know. Yeah, Not conspiracy familiar. theorists. I know the Bible. They wrap him in a, uh, in a funeral shroud, and he was put in a tomb. They oh. didn't bury their people. Oh, okay. Uh, I'm not exactly sure when the burying thing came about, but I think that was uh, much later, and I believe that was around during the uh, the plague right. where burying became a thing because... For sanitary purposes. Sanitary purposes. Uh, I could be wrong. Again, if you're in the comments, correct me uh, if I'm wrong. But the coffin I've seen, the only time I've ever seen the coffin uh, is, is typically in chamber reflection. Uh, usually it's drawn on the war, uh, on the war, on the wall, drawn on the wall um, along with a bunch of other symbols and stuff like that and again you're going into the chamber of reflection to basically reflect upon yourself that you are a good person right 15th and this is the one i will never understand 
I like this one. You can explain it then, because I, I, I get lost in the sauce with this one, and it's the 47th problem of Euclid. Mm-hmm. Right? Euclid? Yep. All right. I say that wrong, too. <laughs> Things get a bit geometrical here, so bear with us. That's why I have you here. Yes, sir. Mr. Tattoo Artist, who does all the freaking symbols and shit. The 47th problem of Euclid, also known as Pythagorean theorem, is symbolic of the need to square your square. In everyday practice, this means to keep your life in order and build infrastructure. It is, it is the method Freemasons follow when laying foundations. And that's it. So, yeah, you can tell me what all that hogwash was because I don't understand the 47th problem whatsoever. Well, essentially, in order to square something, you need some kind of mathematical proof that will prove it is square. So right. if you have a triangle where you have one side of it is three units of length, one side is four units of length, okay. if that diagonal, the hypotenuse that connects those two You're sides, using big. I'm a jarhead. I eat crayons. <laughs> what the fuck is hypotenuse? On, it sounds on, like something you triangle, smoke stuff out of. On a triangle, this line. Okay, okay. One. Okay. If that equals five units when this side is three and this side is four, then that is a perfect right angle. So that's essentially how they would build stuff. They would, the northeast corner of the cornerstone, when the sun rises in the east, Okay. if you have a stick in the ground, that will cast an east-to-west shadow. Okay. So that gives you your first line. Okay. And then if you set the length of that line at four or three, Okay. you can prove that square by that mathematical formula. Okay. And also... I'm sure you've seen it in pictures where they have the three square, the four square, and the five square, and then they have the diagonals cutting through them. That also gives you the golden ratio of those squares based on its proportions and things like that. Very interesting. Mm-hmm. I would be the guy in the corner be like, hey, Bobby! Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a couple shekels for you. Why don't you uh, build some shit for me? Like, no, I don't, I don't, I don't understand any of that, but... <laughs> well, uh, even in ancient Egypt, it was like the rope stretchers, right? So they would have a rope that had knots in it. Right. And that's how they would prove the squares. Okay. I, I didn't know that. Um, you know what I thought was cool, too, while we're talking about building stuff and everything? How the ancient Egyptians split those big-ass rocks. Yeah. That was pretty wild. They would chisel it. Mm-hmm. Then they would, like, pour water in it and then just wedge it and wait for the water to actually expand right. or something along those lines, right? Similar, yeah. They, I mean... There's been tons of theories on how they've done it with abrasives and things like that. But, yeah, they they definitely knew what they were doing, and they had very simple techniques based on natural laws. How did they drag those big-ass rocks? And I don't want to hear slaves. I don't want to hear that shit. I don't think they did it like that either. I mean, they could have floated them or used some kind of— I'm talking about how they get into the top of the damn pyramid. That's what I want to know. How did you get that shit up there? It's, it's there had to have been a couple of slaves <laughs> sitting there on their freaking smoke break going, fuck this. I mean, they could have done it with counterweights, pulleys. Uh, I, you know, who knows? I've seen I've seen a bunch of videos of people doing stuff. Aliens, John. Yeah, yeah that's, what that's, that's what I'm going with. That's what I'm going with. I'll go with that. That's the easiest explanation. Yeah, oh. Grab that shit with the little tractor beam. <laughs> Sound that shit resonance. That's, yeah, that's what I'm going with. Because, uh, I, I don't know, if, if it were me... And I was one of the, well, I don't even know what they use, slaves or workers or other thing. Yeah, no, nope, nope. 
I'm good. Maybe they started it from the top and just dug it out as they went down. <laughs> That's a good point. Right? Could have done that. Could have done it in reverse. A lot of sand. It is a lot of sand. Sand is easy to move. That that's a fair point. You do make a valid point. I never would have thought about that. Um, I'm trying to look at other Masonic symbols that we. Uh, I know there's the Tyler's heart. I'm looking for it actually. Um, uh, I'm bringing up a bunch of different websites, so I'm trying to uh, uh, find another website because he. I thought he was going to give more of the ones that are like. Um, what about uh, the two ball cane? Nah, we're gonna leave that one alone because yeah, people. I'm not touching on. Nah, I'm not touching on that one because. Realistically, you'll find out about that shit when you uh, take your MM degree. But uh, oh, I can't find the, the damn website I was looking for. But um, yeah, I'm looking for the Tyler. So I'm gonna just type I don't it even in. Think I'm familiar with that symbol. I've definitely seen it, heard of it, but boom, Tyler's sword, the sword and the craft. Boom, found it. How to decipher less well-known. Why can't I? You know what it is? My fingers are cold, so the thing isn't. Okay, here's a couple more. Uh, yeah, we're not going back over the Pagathorian theorem. <laughs> That's not. You You broke it down as idiot-proof as you possibly could, and I still don't get it. So the scythe in the hourglass. Uh, the scythe is to remind Masons of the ever-present danger of death that awaits us all. Like the scythe, the hourglass is embedded, is an emblem of mortality. Um I think these, again, are more prevalent to the Chamber of Reflection. Yeah. Um, I've never seen them actually used in an open Masonic Lodge. Chamber of Reflection is a, a lot of, and I don't want to freak anybody out, though, but like the Chamber of Reflection is a lot of death symbols. Uh, we've covered this on a prior right. podcast, the Chamber of Reflection, but it's a lot of death symbols. And, and understand, it's not meant to... They could be life symbols, this? too, just to remind you ah. of your time here. Dug in my pocket and I found a face diaper. I ain't gonna be needing that no more. Um, yeah, it's to remind you to live your life again. People see it as like, oh my god, it's death symbols in the occult. It's not. That's not what it is. Yeah, no. It's it's meant to teach you that at any point in time, your flame can be extinguished. Exactly. Just like that. So you should live the life that you have as good as you possibly can because you never know when death's going to come snatch you. Right. That's what the scythe and the hourglass basically represent. The scythe, as we know, is used to cut down wheat. Like uh, the Grim Reaper. Like the Grim Reaper. And again, that's the symbol of the Grim Reaper is death. At right. any moment in time, you can come cut your little ass head off like, and you're done. You know, that's yeah. it. Jacob's Ladder. That's a good one. Uh, I'll let you pick this one out because I still... I look at Jacob's... Jacob's ladder. In the book of Genesis, Jacob dreamed that he saw a ladder stretching from earth to heaven and angels climbed up and down it. In Freemasonry, the ladder is described as having three main rungs representing faith, hope, and charity. Other rungs include temperance, fortitude, prudence, and justice. All right. So uh, every time I see Jacob's ladder, I instantly go to David Hatcher Childress on Ancient Aliens. Must be aliens <laughs> yeah, yeah. if they're coming up and down, see? I could just see like like... Some, some uh, I call them bean heads because that's what their heads look like. The little gray alien just yeah, throws yeah. out one of those Indiana Jones ropes that rolls down to the ground. Like, uh, I mean, I get what it stands for, and you have the faith, hope, and charity. That's right. I mean, I don't have my hoodie on, but that's what it says right down my arm, faith, hope, and charity. Those are the three cornerstones, I guess you could say, of Freemasonry. Right. So I guess the latter does work. Um, 
I guess the latter does work for that. Uh, Corey Johnson, also to kill any impurities while reflecting. Otherwise, it gets narcissistic real <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I'm assuming he's talking about the uh, chamber of reflection. The scythe. Uh, oh, the scythe. The yes, the kill. That, that's, that's, <laughs> that's pretty on point. That's, that's pretty good. Yeah, I never would have thought about that. Yeah, but he's absolutely right to, uh, to so do that. I don't, know, I don't know how much truth is in it, but I've also heard Jacob's Ladder representing um, – the Kabbalistic tree of life in Jewish mysticism. Okay, you're gonna have to elaborate again. We're going back to me eating crayons again. So essentially, it's it's ten spheres that make somewhat of a very simple tree, and that is how like thought is organized and how we produce actions. Mm-hmm. Which like you know it starts with an idea and how that divine consciousness works its way through right us into the material world interesting yeah you're deep you're way deep man i'm freaking i'm right here on the I do level, a lot of man. thinking man i'm an only child yeah it's good though <laughs> like you know it's good that you know you think like that because i don't again i take everything at face value for the most right, part right. like if i can't figure it out must be aliens uh, that's, that's what's a great joke, about though. symbols is saying. like so i had said this before is symbols is the ultimate language because of how it evolves with the individual so a book when you're a child could be viewed as a burden because it represents studying and you know things you don't want to do but then as you get older that same book as a symbol represents knowledge to be gained so symbols are ever changing (coughs) ever evolving with the individual now see i look at it from a different point of view symbols have been used uh, i mean I, I I just read Enki, right? Just mm-hmm. just finished yep. Enki, wrapped it up. When they did their cylinder sealed tablets, they drew pictures. Right. They were pictures. They're archetypal symbols. B- but to me, like, they look at, oh, that's mythology. I'm sitting there saying, I'm, if I look up in the sky and I see a flying disc, I'm drawing a flying disc. I'm not going to be like, oh, it must be a pelican. Let me draw a pelican. Right, like, right. To me, I look at the things that they drew and these are the things that they were actually seeing. Now, again, I'm not saying it's aliens. I'm just saying, but I'm sure back in the day, they seen things that they just couldn't explain. It could have been oh, a course. sunspot. It could have been uh, not a sunspot. Uh, w- or something. Yeah, it could have been anything. Flare. Swamp gases. Right, like It could have right. been anything. They just couldn't understand it. So they drew these symbols. And now fast forward 2,000 years later, and people are like, must be aliens like yeah i mean potentially i'm just throwing it out the there. alien thing to me is just like somewhat of a cop-out it's it's an easy explanation for what can't be explained okay um i agree a good scapegoat i, I agree to a point to but a point, i also yeah. can't i believe aliens sit... are real i mean i'm not, uh, I'm not discrediting say. aliens i also can't sit here and and like you uh, said ancient aliens you can't like say it for everything like the crazy hair guy yeah you can't say it for everything there's been many a times i'm watching i'm like ah and i gotta start <laughs> yeah, it off yeah. I'm, I'm like come on now you know but you know i do believe that uh, i mean on some of those cylinder seals and again i'm kind of getting off topic of symbols but those, some of those similar seals they had all of the planets around the sun Right. And they even had Pluto in there. You can't see Pluto with the naked eye. Oh. How in the hell did they know that it was up there? I know. It's it, it, so that to me is like gotta come from like somewhere. Five planets are visible with the something naked like eye. that. Yeah. Um. So let's bring it to the next one because uh, we already covered. Oh, here we go. This is the anchor in the ark. I've never seen the. Did we cover that one? Right. We did. Cover yeah. That. All right. Uh, sun, 
eye, moon, and stars. The images are combined to describe God, whom the sun, the moon, and the stars obey. Yeah, we use them as burning tapers, uh, which is basically three candles around the altar. The sun and the moon also remind the officers of the lodge to govern the lodge with regularity. That's actually one officer. (laughs) And his job is to govern. The officers, quote-unquote, of the lodge don't govern anything. Uh, there's only one guy who does, and that's the master, and uh, he runs the show. Uh, John Munes. Uh, if I'm saying you're wrong, your name wrong, I apologize. I can't speak. Uh, the steps that the human soul fell from grace and the steps that need to be accomplished to attain alignment. He's talking about Jacob's Ladder. That's mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one, too. Um, and again, it is funny. Like I'm not saying wrong. I'm not saying wrong. I'm right. saying that it is very interesting how each culture person takes a symbol and they interpret it different yeah, it's ways all it's, it's interpretation like right. everybody's going to view it slightly different right especially people who don't like me he's got a cross on his arm um but joke all joking aside yeah i mean right. i did an interview uh for a newspaper or a lady who's going to do an article or something on all this shit wagon that we do mm-hmm. and uh she's seen you drew this tattoo. I sure did. And uh, the cross on my arm is? Cross of Malta? The Templar cross. We'll go with that. Okay. It's the Grand Commander Templar cross. But she told me or tried to say some people may think that's the Iron Cross. Honey, if you think this is the Iron Cross, you were way off. Yeah. It's a symbol of neo-Nazism. I'm like, <laughs> no, bitch. No. Not even close. Totally different cross. Get on the little anything, the Wikipedia. Opposite. Complete opposite. Um, but again, it, here's another example of somebody who sees a symbol, interprets it how they want to interpret it. Right. And there you go. A uh, symbol we've covered, the point within a circle and parallel lines. You got one on your knuckle. I got one on my Masonic tattoo right here in the middle of the skull's forehead. Um, the tiny symbol is one of the most confounding images in Freemasonry. No one really knows what it means. We do. <laughs> it's, it's, a masonry. it's a circle within a point uh on the middle on the top of the circle is the bible or volume or sacred law yeah it doesn't have to be on either side of the circle are two parallel lines drop some knowledge on them uh the two parallel lines represent the two saints john as far as i've been aware of and the circle is your boundaries and you are the point and, and also that's the simplest version of it that I could describe. And the omnipotent is also a symbol of God. Right, exactly, because everything comes from that point. Right. So everything in reality, I mean, to make anything, you have to start with a point. Right. From that point, you decide direction, you create a line. From that line, you circumscribe it, create a circle. And then from that, you can spin that circle and create a sphere, and then you can create whatever else you want from those basic principles which is also interesting because if you really want to get freaking out there batshit crazy if you go to the gnostic bibles and you go to the bible saint Th- the gospel of saint thomas which is not in the bible right jesus says it was, it was removed god was, yeah <laughs> uh that one now nah, yeah, we'll, they don't need to know that yeah, we'll put that in the library um but in that particular gospel of saint thomas jesus said that god is within you right so if you have an omnipotent, which is supposed to represent you, but it also represents God, not saying that man is God, 
no. in a sense, which it could. But it could. But a piece of God is within all. So. Within everything, arguably. Uh, I think we covered that one. It's pretty good, one, right? Yeah. Uh, this one's going to make Alex all crazy. Pot of incense. <laughs> I'm joking. Incense is... <laughs> Uh, incense is not typically burned in a Masonic Lodge, but the symbol of the pot and incense is used as... Oh, I don't know why we don't. I know. Not that for nothing. Really We're in a room. We should do that. I'm thinking, of, I'm thinking, again, you think deep, I think practical. There's a bunch of stinky-ass Masons in the Lodge sometimes, especially when you've been sitting there in, like, July, and it's just... It just, just we're just in a room with the doors closed, everything right. fermenting. Like you think, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. Somebody has some free breeze up in here. Anyway. <laughs> um, but anyway, it all joking aside, though, I think that would be cool to burn some sort of incense or whatever. It would be. Um, some frankincense, some myrrh. I wouldn't go that far. That's ones. some stinky shit. Those are the good ones. <sighs> but the symbol of the pot of incense is used as an allegory for pure heart, the pot or censer, and the. Prayer, uh, prayers that arise from it to heaven, symbolizing the cloud of rising smoke. Interesting. That's a good one. I never. Yeah, that's pretty spot. <clears throat> that's pretty good. I never would have thought about that. Smoke a- rising. Ash has always been viewed as like a very pure substance. Smoke too is like. No, I just want to be clear. You said ash. Ash. Not hash. Not hash. Oh, okay. No. We're gonna... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It, I, it, it's it's something that ancient people could do. And could see it rising, which right. is why it's always been viewed as that. Because it, you know, fire is something for purification. Right. Through fire, through burning, obviously it had an enjoyable scent to it. Right. And then seeing the smoke rise to the heavens, they right. thought would carry their prayers. Interesting. Um, I want to say we do something similar in some Masonic lodges where they cigar smoke the shit out of the place. Yeah, they have like a cigar thing. And again, if you're in the comments or or anything like that, you hit us up on Facebook and just or even in the comments in this video. Uh, but I believe that there are some lodges that they basically close the place down. They all get cigars and they all just puff cigars in the lodge. Just fumigate it. Fumigate the damn thing. <laughs> um, which, in a sense, cigars <clears throat> to smoke them. It depends on the cigar. Some of them taste like absolute shit. However, they all, at least in my opinion, some made, they go, oh, cigars are nasty. But I think cigar smoke smells awesome. Yeah, Especially getting good at Backwoods or something like that. I'm kidding. (laughs) No, but Backwoods is a perfect example. That's a good smelling cigar. Yeah, it's it's your cheap little bag cigar, but it's a good smelling cigar. Yeah. So I like the the Javas are really good. Yeah, like cigars, they have a good scent to them. So, I mean, realistically, it's a sort of an incense. Yeah. If if you want to take it that way. 100%. Tobacco was always viewed as a sacred plant in and of itself. Right. Really? Yeah, I mean, the Native Tobacco? Americans. Oh, yeah. So a lot of tribes, especially South American tribes, anytime they do any sort of ceremony, there's usually tobacco involved for its sacredness and purification. No kidding. I didn't know that. Uh, I skipped a couple others because they're pretty self-explanatory. You can find out when you're in a Masonic degree, or a Masonic degree and or lodge and or if you're not already a Mason, you know them, which are going to be your plum, your square, your level, your trial, all that stuff. But we're going to get into the ones. I'm trying to do the ones that are like really... You wouldn't, uh, you wouldn't recognize if they slapped you in the face. So you got the naked heart and the sword. The heart has a point, a sword pointing to it, while the symbols of God look down from above. I'm assuming it's an all-seeing eye. 
Mm. Yeah. Uh, the heart and the sword symbolize justice. Uh, yeah. Um, your heart being the the thing that the ticker that keeps you moving, and the sword is pretty much. Uh, I would say it's similar <laughs> to the pillars. Pillars, really. Explain. Mercy and severity. You know, you have one symbol for. Or, or the two saints, John, one of them mm. was a little harsher than the other, you know? Ah, okay. So the heart is obviously... The weakest like, part or the right. one that keeps the show going, in the a sense. The sword is more of, I don't want to say offensive, but it's it's a divisive acting. Well, it's definitive. Yeah. If you think about it, if it's pointed at a heart, it's definitive. Right, like, right. lights are out. Like, mm-hmm. show's over. Tyler's sword in the Book of Constitutions. Here we go. Another sword going on. Book of Constitution is the code of Masonic law that governs the operation of lodges. Yep, we follow them and they don't change. The Tyler sword across it is a caution to protect the institution of Freemasonry by guarding against unworthy thoughts, deeds, and words that may bring the fraternity into bad repute. I think it's pretty. That's pretty common. Um. I don't think there's anything really to, to dissect about that. These other ones we're going to pass right yeah. past uh, because, again, these are go you're going to find these in a Masonic degree. You'll learn all about them. Uh, the rough ashlar, the handshakes, um, all that stuff. Oh, wow. There's one. Uh, we're, this is elaborating a little bit more on the coffin, but they call it the coffin, the shovel, the setting mall, and the sprig of acacia. Damn, that sounds like a good Friday night. Um <laughs> The symbol of the grave remind Masons that everyone shall eventually die and turn to dust. Uh, ain't no different than uh, what we do on Ash Wednesday. Right. And they use ash because of its purity. Bingo. The hardy acacia plant, which thrives in the Holy Land, can often seem to spring back to life from little more than a dead branch and reminds us of the hope of immortality that unites us. They didn't talk about the shovel. That's what I was curious about. I mean, granted... Uh, yay, I've been away, missed you guys. You as well. Thanks for tuning in, man. Um, you're gonna have to catch up because we're gonna be shutting down in about three minutes, but uh, glad you were able to make it. 24 inch gauge in the common gavel. Uh, we're gonna leave that one alone, yeah. I think, too, because uh, again, we also are we don't want to ruin your Masonic your Masonic journey when you take the degree. So, the one thing we try to stay away from. I think of other ones too i mean i don't know if you want to touch on the cardinal directions have at it go on like the east and the west you want to touch on they're not really in there. symbols though are they no not really yeah they're not really in symbols um i'm more looking for damn i wish i could find that article there was one more that i was missing that i wanted to uh yep i'm gonna be right back to the main google screen Stupid. Is this it? Is this it? Bam! Found it. All right, here we go. So uh, that's what I wanted to talk about. That's the one thing I wanted. The last one I wanted to cover, and this is uh, important that we talk about it, and I'll explain why for a couple reasons, and we're talking about the Masonic apron. First off, you joined Freemasonry. You're going to take your EA degree. Mm -hmm. Word of advice. Don't buy your own freaking apron. Yeah. You're going to go on Amazon. You're going to spend a hundred and some odd dollars for a leather apron. And then you're going to take your EA degree. And you're like, oh, I got my own apron. Mm-hmm. And then midway through the degree, they're going to give you an apron. And now you've just yeah. pissed away $120 for nothing. Right. Do not buy an apron, please. 
Uh, but let's talk about it. Uh, the lambskin apron. Uh, it's a beautiful lecture, by the way, in the EA degree. Uh, oh, hold on a second. Oh, depth forward positive momentum in Rosicrucianism. The rose represents the unfolding of consciousness. Interesting. Mm, that's a good one. Um, I, well, we'll talk about the rose before we get into this. The rose is a good one. Um, we also use the rose, particularly in the Scottish Rite. Um, and the rose is uh, also supposed to be, quote, unquote, the blood of Jesus while he's on the cross. Because if you ever look at the rose qua, as I was told to say it, uh, the rose is in front of the cross. Okay. Uh, the rose is also pretty tied to the five-point star, uh-huh. to the planet Venus. Because yep. of mm-hmm. Venus's movements around the Earth, it creates like a rosette pattern as well. Yeah, interesting. No kidding. Yep. I did not know that. Damn, you're too fucking smart to be a tattoo artist. You need to be like a scholar or some shit. But I first, uh, yeah, before you do that, though, please give me some more tattoos. Um, Absolutely. <laughs> uh, yeah, so let's get into the lambskin or white leather apron. Um, it's the it's it's a badge of a mason. Again, we all started in the stone quarries. Again, I'm not reading the ritual word for word because when the senior warden does it during the e, the EA degree, you learn more and more about it. Um, we wear our um, we wear our aprons in a particular manner. So an EA would wear it with the bib turned up. And as you're taught, the reason being is because back in the ancient uh, stonemason times, in order to keep your clothes from getting tarnished, you would wear the bib up so it protected a little bit more of your clothes. Um, fellow craft would wear it in a different manner because it separates them from your average laborer. They're, 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 I mean, I think they were just called a journeyman, I think, way back in the day. Yeah. Uh, which is you're he's not an apprentice no more. He's 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 a he's a full fledged worker. And then you had your master masons that would, you know, keep it the apron spread and uh the, that was their symbol that they are the, the men in charge in a sense. Um from what I gather from from my uh no, I won't say my research, but from what I see is um according to our Masonic ritual uh, there wasn't very many Master Masons. And the, the ones that we only learn of in the Master Mason degree would be Solomon, yep. Hiram King of Tyre, yep. and Hiram Abiff. And that was it. That's Everybody else was fellow craft because it was the, yellow, the fellow craft that... Uh, yeah, they popped them. <laughs> <laughs> now, and the reason why I did that is because, I, again, don't want to give away the Master Mason degree. So we're just going to say that he had a Glock 22 and uh, took care of it. Uh, yeah. You'll find out when you take your degrees. Um, but... Uh, the the apron is it's we are taught to wear it much different um we are taught to keep it we wear it a certain way uh, i don't know if that's how they anciently wore it with the fellow crafts a certain way or the yeah. mm certain way but we wear it where it's not supposed to get spotted it's not supposed right. to get dirty because it's an emblem of innocence uh, that's how we do it. And we talk about that it's uh, more ancient than the Golden Fleece, the Roman Eagle, and all that stuff. So um, Even going back, I mean, you know, if you look at ancient Egyptian wall paintings, the pharaohs wore aprons, and it's, it's usually always been an emblem of royalty or the divine as well. There's, there's many pharaohs who are shown wearing aprons, and... I think theirs were more triangular, but essentially the same. No kidding. Mm-hmm. So, uh, I'm going to read this one last thing, and then uh, I think we're going to shut it down. I think we pretty much beat some of these symbols to death. When you oh, say. yeah. 
right. Um, adapt forward positive momentum. That is a long ass name, but I like it. They still use similar in. They still use similar in trades. Apprentice, journeyman. Yeah, yep. master. Yep, yep. That's still used uh, for electrician, plumber, or anything like that. Yeah, it's. And it, I mean, realistically, I imagine it's probably modeled off of the stonemasons as well. Same, same deal. Um, he at least in Canada. Yeah, same, same thing here in, in the states. Uh, my father's uh, was a high voltage electrician. He's retired now, but uh, again, he was an apprentice for a while. Became a journeyman, and next thing you knew, he was a. Uh, or master electrician or whatever you yeah, want to call same it. Same with so, tattooing. Same. He started as an apprentice. I mean, and that's kind of... What do you do as an apprentice as a tattooer? As an apprentice, you do a lot of drawing and a lot of cleaning up other people's stuff. Ah. Yeah. You, you clean the shop. You set up for the master yep. mm -hmm. artist, you know, you mm -hmm. and you pretty much just watch and try to take in as much knowledge as you can, see how they do it, and learn as much as you can from them. Yep. And then, I, I mean, I guess the fellow craft would be when you start tattooing, but you're not licensed. Right, right. And, you know, like, you're no longer an apprentice where you're not allowed to tattoo, uh -huh. but you're tattooing, but you're not licensed yet, so you're under the eye and guidance of what you Which means the that master. the master guy comes in and double-checks your shit and makes sure right. you're not, you know... And then once you become skilled enough, you get licensed, and then you're essentially your own master from that point on, and then you just practice and try to hone your craft as much as possible. Yeah, that's pretty much it. Been there, done that. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, what do you say, Brother Alex? You want to shut it down? Go home, grab sure. some food? All right. For the Freemasons Podcast, I'm going to thank you guys all for tuning in, and uh, come back next time. I am Right Worship Brother George Marjorie, signing off. You gonna tell Alex me. DeFranzo, also signing off. You're gonna you're gonna give me your name? You just gonna pretend like I got it. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in, everyone. Have a good night.